Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode 85 of iGel Weekly. I'm your host, Andy Whiteside. Looking forward to talking to Chris Feeney. Chris, it's been a, been a couple of weeks. How you been? I've uh, been good. Good. Uh, you know, kind of got through the end of summer there, Labor Day holiday, and picked steam right up uh, as September hit. Mm-hmm. Of course, college football takes off, so that's always uh, exciting. Um, you know, the weather begins to cool. We live in the Carolinas, as you know. It's great time of year uh, to uh, to be outdoors. Uh, before it gets uh, a little bit colder. Yeah. So. I mean, don't let the secret out. I think the secret's already out for the most part. It doesn't get that cold. Yeah. We don't need everybody moving here. Yeah. <laughs> don't come. No, we want, we want you to come. Just just don't move to my town or my neighborhood. No, I'm just kidding. It's, um, it's curved. All right. So today is September 26, 2023. Uh, here comes my Zintegra commercial. I've started doing this at the beginning of every podcast. If you are working with a iGel or an iGel partner or both, and they're not bringing real value add to the equation and helping you understand how these solutions work by doing things like podcasts, webinars, lunch and learns, just coming to see you and having open conversations around how the it ain't Windows message should be landing at your organization. Reach out to me on LinkedIn, Andy Whiteside, and let's talk about this. I mean, we do these podcasts because we love to do it, but at the same time, it's a business and there are so many people out there struggling with their end user compute world. Uh, we just, we want to help. We can make a really good business just helping people. It's awesome. It really is. Uh, Chris, you brought a blog today called Digital Thinking Work Leaner and Smarter at the Endpoint. I think what you just said or what Simon Townsend, who wrote this blog, was saying, it ain't Windows, don't use Windows, work smarter, work leaner, work more secure at the endpoint. Why did you bring this particular blog? Well, it's just uh, another way of reemphasizing, obviously, the key value prop that IGEL brings to a lot of organizations. Um, and it's, and it kind of goes with our, our theme of disrupt, uh, disrupt EUC, just the, the way of thinking the, you know, uh, of normally just replacing something every, you know, few years, um, and just, uh, how much, uh, of that, just if you add it all up, I mean, just trillions probably at this point of, of, uh, money spent where things maybe shouldn't, uh, have been, have been taken down that path. Um, and IGEL's, you know, value prop is we can extend the life of a lot of devices that, um, are currently in use. Um, and then just with a focus on the software, um, mm-hmm. just bringing a, a new way of thinking and with a lot of stuff moving to cloud-based delivered, uh, either natively cloud or through a virtual, uh, desktop mechanism, uh, from like a windows OS, um, you know, it, you don't need, uh, you know, continue to run uh, the same old thing on the endpoint that you've had for years and years and years. That um, uh, and so this is just more highlighting a study that was done uh, that we'll kind of talk a little bit about about um, just wasted IT spending yeah. when you add it all up. Wasted spending, vulnerability, uh, attack vector increasing. Um, you know, uh, landfill, e-waste. I, I'm moving. And uh, I, I, I've gone to the, the landfill twice in the last two days and it is painful mm-hmm. for me to have to take stuff and get rid of it that, you know, we had to have at one point or in some cases we didn't have to have. Yeah. Um, we just we chose to have it. And nobody made you buy that. Let's 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 get smarter about it. And, and what you're really saying here is let's break the cycle uh, of buying you know new computers when we don't need them and we can do it much more efficiently. All right. So the first uh, section after the intro is uh, waste, not your software spin. What is Simon covering there? Yeah. He's kind of focusing really on, um, you know, if you look at your initial software investment, um, you know, starting with um, you know, what, what does you walk up to a device? What does the user need to get to? I like to look at it from that perspective. 
start there. Um, and if they can do their job, uh, you know, using the resources coming from uh, on-prem or remote uh, location and the sense of uh, delivered, um, you know, from a browser or, um, uh, you know, a data center somewhere out there in the world and the user experience doesn't suffer. I mean, do they really need to have that on the endpoint in many cases, depending on their, on the, on their job? And so, you know, starting with there and just thinking, hey, what, what's the art of the possible? Well, if you have Linux on that endpoint, um, preferably IGEL Linux, um, what capabilities exist that we can deliver um, in today's world where much of what you need to do to work and do your job can be delivered uh, virtually or through uh, just a, a browser? Um, we, well, we do this all the time. For the most part, yeah. you're going to connect to something else anyway. You're going to connect to a server, a cloud, or something anyway. Put yeah. as much as you can there. Reduce your attack vector. Anyway, we're going to talk about that probably a million times. Yeah. Now, now there are use cases. So I, I met with someone last week, and um, the, the the conversation was about, they said everybody should replace every Windows device in their organization. Like, no, 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 that's not what we're trying to say. But we're trying to say there's a percentage. Maybe it's 10%. Maybe it's 90%. Could it be a smarter, leaner solution that's going to connect to stuff that's more secure and more scalable anyway? Um, that's, that's It's not an all or nothing kind of thing. Yeah. Well, I mean, and I was thinking about this. I mean, just um, if you take it, just what what's installed on the device, um, just bear alone with that. Um, I've got, you know, many devices where if it's running Windows versus iGel, I mean, one of the most immediate things that you can see is that the battery life is uh, extended. Because uh, if your OS is not constantly taxing the hardware uh, just to run, for example, or whatever, um, that can extend uh, even further, elongate the ability to use that device, especially if you uh, need it to be unplugged uh, because of whatever reason. Um, you know, that's just a very simple example of having just you know a ninety percent reduction in, in terms of the, the what's on there, what's needed to do the to do the work to use that resource. Um, and you know how much more life you can get out of it. I've done it before. Where I've literally worked all day on battery from an LG Gram, you know, running my virtual desktop, and it, it on a Wi-Fi or even my hotspot. You know, I was not experiencing. I could do these calls, these Zoom calls. I could do Teams calls. I could. I, I the user experience did not suffer one bit. Mm-hmm. Yeah. All right, Chris. The next section says leaning up the hardware conversation or. Conservation, leaning up the hardware. Conservation. What's Simon covered here? Um, he's talking about basically removing applications that would normally be installed locally and and moving them cloud. Um, it actually. Uh, what what are the benefits there? You know, from a um from an IT perspective, um, you know, uh, you don't need as much hardware in the endpoint to be able to run that application. Um. The cloud having that backend infrastructure can actually process and and more, uh, you know, consume less. Uh, can actually faster user experience. We've seen this with with uh, applications where they were typically, um, you know, fat type of OSs installed locally on devices. But as the vendor uh, moved and and updated their product, they uh, they leveraged the power of the cloud. And now you just need a lightweight, maybe client perhaps, or even just a browser. In many cases, 
Um, uh, but also, what does that also open up with these additional infrastructures? Uh, hardware agnostics, we've seen the ability for applications to be supported across multiple types of platforms. Um, and the user experience, generally speaking, would be roughly the same because it's it's the same type. You know, if it's accessing a browser, take office.com, for example. Um, I mean, I would, I'm going to just guess here, throw a number, 90% of the feature functionality that you would need to run those Office applications versus the uh, the locally installed version of it is there. And it's functional. You can do it. You might need something that the browser necessarily doesn't have, but that's getting smaller and smaller over the course of time. Um, and so um, when you look at from the application and the ability to deliver, uh, now you look at, okay, what hardware out there can I use to uh, bring that experience? And that's where IGEO can come in. And obviously, we've talked about this many times over. If you don't know that IGEO can convert you know, their devices and save them from going to the landfill, um, I mean, that's a huge step up from, and, and I would say just in the last week alone, in the meetings I've had, that's 95% of the conversation that's happening. Uh, not that, you know, which they're part? not looking which, at new which, ones. Which uh, again, always starting with what do you have today? Mm-hmm. Can you leverage that device or devices or the, the you know, can you start there to get to deliver the user experience you're trying to t- take them to? Yeah. Uh, sometimes the answer is a, a yes. Sometimes it's not because it's just it's just older and they're going to need to look at something uh, uh, else. And that obviously lines up with our IGEL Ready program and a lot of the, the options that exist there in terms of form factors. So let me walk you through this from a numbers perspective. What yeah. what percentage on the at the average company? What percentage of users have a three year old or less laptop at the average company? Just throw out a just spitball a number. I'm gonna go with eighty five percent. Eighty five percent. So if if it's eighty five percent, and I were to ask the following question: What percentage of users at at an average customer actually travel for work? Like actually travel for work? What do you think the number is? I'm going to drop it probably 40. It's yeah, 35, it's, 40% maybe. It's 10, 15, 20, 30, 40. So why do they need a high powered laptop to do that? If they don't actually travel. I mean, look, I get on plane yeah. every week. I run podcasts from, you know, the, the subway station, whatever. I need a laptop. I need a full blown windows or Mac laptop in most cases, but a lot of people don't travel nearly like that. But yet they have a two thousand dollar, fifteen hundred dollar uh, laptop that they're given a new one every three years. I don't, I don't quite understand the the default logic in that. I think it's, it, well, it's first of all, it's just probably not thinking about that um, from a from that type of perspective. Like, let's pull back and just think about what what do these folks actually need to use to do their job. And uh, I'm going to provide you a company asset. Uh, does that also allow us to enable a BYOD scenario if you're not, if you don't have a laptop and you're in the office, but maybe you want to access resources when you're at home? Am I going to allow for that um, or not? Uh, uh, conditional access measures may require that, hey, it has to be a device that we know about allowing you in to access company resources. But if it's not, if it's a BYOD, uh, we don't allow for that or here's our policy kind of thing, whatever. So. Um, but you're right. I mean, you don't always need, honestly, I'm, I'm looking at it all in one here. That's around the corner. Um, it's when I'm home, it's such a huge screen, so much real estate. I, I love using it. Um, uh, but I just need to bring it into this one workspace that I have. 
um, because, uh, like I said, the, the screen is is usable. It actually, you know, built-in webcam, that type of thing. It's an LG all-in-one. And um, right now I've got two monitors, which is fine. But that user experience, it's not, I'm not going to pick that up and take it with me when I travel, obviously. But um, if that's all I need to do my job and it's a fantastic user experience, I mean, you're right. Um, I mean, but, use a laptop when you need it. And Chris, I know you you are a power user. You probably need a Windows laptop. You really do. But a lot of people don't. And a lot of people don't need the the high end PCs that sit there. And I think what's going to happen is as as the economy comes and goes, which it always does, um, there's going to be harder conversations to be had around saving money and how to reduce the attack vector all at the same point and yeah. e waste reduction. All right, the next one says uh, flagging utilization underutilization. Help us understand how people first of all need to be aware of that. Number two, how they can measure it, and then what the results could be. Yeah, well, I think. Um... Uh, we're talking about you know these software audits, right? You you buy software licensing. Uh, oftentimes, that's where can it be installed. Um, and when uh, folks do these um, uh, license audits, or right? you know how many instances have we have been using? Is it actually being used? It's very often that goodness gracious, you know, we don't actually need that many installed versions of the software. Um, we could actually leverage uh, the mobile version or uh, a, a just a cloud-based version uh, in and of itself if a company has that that type of uh, breakdown of their licensing. Um, and so um, one of the things that uh, we've done is we, we've moved our license uh, components to the cloud. And from there, we can actually see, um, you know, are the licenses being consumed? Uh, customer can see that too. Um, but, uh, it allows us, you know, to, to have some visibility there. And, um, but there's also that tremendous flexibility that, Hey, you know, uh, we can move these over to, uh, uh, other devices, uh, for different reasons. Um, uh, because a new set of users occur, maybe it's a merger occurs and we, we have a tremendous use case scenario over there and we'll just move those licenses over there. And, um, so I think, um, uh, you know, having that visibility of knowing where those licenses are being used and consumed, oftentimes I think from the Citrix perspective, right, the concurrent licensing, you should be able to know for sure if those licenses are being consumed or not. You know, and and, and you you work with a lot of different software vendors. Um, I'm sure that they have some way of checking to see, you know, hey, that 500 set of licenses uh, are they being used or not? Um, so. Um, Anyways, but that that type of asset management platform to be able to audit and track that um, is is key. And without a doubt, um, okay, my answer is ServiceNow. ServiceNow, get ServiceNow in place. Sure. So you can see what all your different products are doing in one pane of glass and one dashboard to figure out what you're using. Um, I don't think en enough companies have a handle on that. In fact, I know most don't have a handle on that. Yeah. Right, last section uh, Simon brings up here is a leaner blueprints. Um, yeah, I think um, it, it kind of just reiterates. I mean, just we hear a lot of, of this. We've talked about it before, just sort of cloud first. Um, I think about them I and the companies that I've worked with in the last, you know, 20 years roughly combined um, on-prem kind of solutions is where things started. 
and then shifting to uh, cloud-based versions of that. Um, and so, um, yeah, in, in that thinking, oftentimes, you know, built for the traditional method of, of what's uh, out there, what do we deliver, what do we install on? Um, but as the world of virtualization and now the cloud uh, has emerged, um, it's really begun to, you know, rethink like, hey, uh, that IT spend, what what do we really need on the endpoint? Um, and uh, and not just that, but what are the capabilities when uh, we're on there? And so, um, you know, he's basically emphasizing the fact that, you know, rather than, you know, <clears throat> go off in the traditional buy hardware that doesn't have really much of a return uh, on your investment there, uh, um, you know, if you're going to be leveraging uh, these uh, cloud-based or VDI platforms to deliver these applications, um, you know, um, IGEO can bring a, a clear ROI by leveraging the equipment you you have in your uh, inventory, um, uh, putting it on there, putting our OS on there under management with just enough OS and just what the customer needs um, and always the ability to add more as use cases change. So um, again, it's really just, you know, fully understanding what options you have when IGEL is in your back pocket. Um, you know, there's much, there's much more, and you guys know this very well as a partner um, when the customers that you've worked with. So, yeah, Chris, I think what we're really highlighting here is having that uh, more thought, more well thought out blueprint that includes a massive dose of deliver, not deploy, includes and could be actually led by the conversation at the endpoint. Yeah, I mean, We've done many of these things before, and and um, uh, I've heard you go in and, and talk to customers about what's your endpoint strategy, um, or or various ways of asking the same so, thing. So let me let me, yeah. add, let me let me comment on that real quick. I love where you're going mm-hmm. with it. I walk in and say, "What's your digital workspace strategy?" Yeah, there you go. And there's no there's no real answer. Okay, what's your end user compute strategy? No real answer there. And then finally, I'm like, okay. What is your endpoint strategy? I mean, surely you got an endpoint. And, and most people don't have an endpoint strategy. I was listening to a podcast over the weekend talking about these new uh, neural neural CPUs where they're going to take the power of, uh, of processing at the edge as it relates to AI. Um, and they're going to put the power of the processing at the edge. Because if you stop and think about it, the most computing power on the planet is at the edge, not, I'm sorry, at the edge. Not in the middle, not in the data center. It's at the edge if you aggregate it all together. And, and guess what? The only people who figure that out are the bad guys. Yeah. If you look at what gets hit with ransomware, what, what are they generally trying to attack? The low-hanging fruit, <clears throat> the yeah. endpoint. Um, and I see a lot of these uh, joint solution type things going out there. The, um, you know, the, the, the antivirus, the, um, you know, the mitigation type uh, solutions or the be able to recover all of that built for uh, the status quo of generally uh, windows on that endpoint. Um, and uh, and if you just put IGEL on there from just in and of itself, not really much to even configured, you're already in a much more favorable position from a security perspective um, and uh, much less of an attack vector. Um, and you can always tighten it down to your liking. So. Um, starting there, and then what? What am I going to get to? I'm going to get to a digital workspace delivered through X, Y, or Z. So, um, but that's uh, certainly the, the the approach that IGEL certainly promotes quite a bit. And there's a ton of x86 64-bit devices out there 
existing or new that uh, can bring and deliver that for customers. So, yeah. Okay. The whole point here is just to challenge it. I mean, just because we always have doesn't mean it's the right thing to do. We live in a different world. It's a different environment, different economy, different security posture that needs to be had. Um, at least for some segment of your user population, don't just give them a Windows anything. Give them something that is right-sized and, and leaner and more secure. Um, can't just keep doing it the old way. Yeah. Yeah. Well, Chris, that gets us to the end of that blog. And thank you to Simon for writing that. It it it, it really does align with what people need to be thinking about. Yeah, we certainly appreciate your your partnership and leadership and and uh, challenging the the way uh, people have been uh, doing things. Um, and so, thank you for that. The truth is, Chris, I get up every day and I have a moment of, man, I just want to be done. And then I have five minutes later, it's like I can't wait to go attack it again. It's yeah. Well, it, I think we've all been there. Certainly, yeah. I have definitely yeah. uh, woken up and be like, I'm ready to crush the day. And uh, sometimes. That doesn't have the same feeling, but then a text, a call, an email, whatever, something, and then, you know, next thing you know, the you're excited to go uh, solve problems in the world. So, um, uh, anyways, well, I appreciate your time, brother friend. Yep, we'll do it again uh, in two weeks. Thank you. All right, take care.